This episode is powered by denanywhere.com, the online extension of Den Meditation. Our primary goal is to make meditation and personal growth available to all so that you truly understand and learn to love yourself, thus creating more harmony and success not only in your life, but within the world. We offer online programs, teacher trainings, retreats, free meditations, and many programs to further your growth. So go explore all the possibilities. Go to denanywhere.com now. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal. I am your host and I'm the founder of Den Meditation. You guys, this is a really great episode. If you missed our How to Heal Yourself episode, and please go back and listen to it, this is another great one. I've got Katie Kyleen Sabagian here. She's an incredible healer, but what makes her story so amazing is she was delivered some really horrible news. I mean, like life-threatening news. And she didn't know what to do. And through time, she ended up in that position. We like to talk about the surrender experience where you just start begging for help. And long story short, and I want her to tell the story, and you will hear it in here. She asked for help, and she created this healing experience where she cured and healed herself. It's an amazing story. I can't wait for you to hear it. We do talk about stuff like religion in the beginning. It's an interesting start. I love it, but I don't want you to like tune out before we get to the juicy good stuff, so stay in because we do talk about her story, and we talk about the whole point that you, too, whoever is listening, has the power to heal yourself. And also stay tuned because she's going to be offering the certification and classes to teach you how to do this, so we talk about that as well. It is amazing. It is empowering, and again, it is the reminder that you are capable of so much more than you think you are. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome. I've got Katie Kyleen Sabagian here. How did I do with the name? Perfect. Yay. Um, you guys may remember her from our Heal Yourself panel, which was also a previous episode. Um, she's an incredible healer, and I'm so excited to actually be able to like dive deep and talk to you. Um, because you're awesome. And I remember at the panel, people were just so excited by you and everything you had to say was so inspiring. It's an honor to be here today with you. So Katie has, does, created actually. I mean, you created something called Gateway Healing, which is a specific type of healing. And it goes back to what our panel was about, which is about we as people have our own power and ability to heal ourselves. Absolutely. Which people don't quite realize. I mean, I know we talk about it a lot on this show, but I feel like people don't quite realize how tangible and how actually close to someone that is. Like, it's not like you have to go shopping for it or like you really can do it. And the reason you know that is because you did it for yourself first. And it really is our birthright. I mean, the same way we have the right to eat, the right to breathe, we have the right to receive healing and grace. So it really is something that is for every single person on this earth, in this universe. And like, I love the idea of stressing every single person because, you know, it's funny, I was speaking on a panel last night and someone was kind of bringing up the, you know, meditation and healing and just talking about the idea of it feeling not exclusive, but feeling like it can't be for everyone and that there might be like a divide. And it was funny, I responded, I'm like, I think there's a perception around that, of course, but it's so sad because if there's anything meditation or healing is, is every single person can do it. You don't need a piece of equipment, just you. You don't have to be anywhere special. I mean, I love when people come to the den, obviously, and I love that we help people grow, but like you don't have to be anywhere. You can be on a subway. You can be sitting on the street. You can be sitting on a bench. You can be at home. 
to meditate, receive the benefits or to do healings, which we'll get more into what that exactly means. But like, talk a little bit about that, about accessibility. And that's why I love the word grace, because if we look at the definition of what grace means, grace means an unmerited blessing that comes through from the divine that sets us free from the deepest of shackles. And what does unmerited mean? Unmerited means it's for everyone. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are. It doesn't matter how many brownie points you have or how much karma you have. It's unmerited. And that's why I always use the word grace because it's such a beautiful word. Um, And it really is for everyone. And, you know, just the same way that forgiveness is for everyone, healing is for everyone, grace is for everyone. That's beautiful. Let's talk about the word divine. What is your connection? And then I want to get into your story because people are going to be obsessed with like, and you guys like hang in there because her story is really incredible how she ended up healing herself from something pretty huge. And like it started you on this path. But I do want to talk about your connection to God. What does that mean for you? Like, and have you always had the same connection or relationship? Um. You know, first of all, I love the word God, and I love the fact that you're using the word God, Um, you know, and we are all connected to God. God really is the creator and the source of everything that exists. And, uh, you know, one thing about spirituality that, um, you know, I always look to see if that is acknowledged, because I feel like some of spirituality is losing God you know, which is the most important element of it all. So as far as being connected to God, um, you know, I was born and raised in a Muslim family. Um, So we, you know, definitely had the definition of God. It was a little bit of a skewed definition, you know, now looking back, but um, God has always been in my life in um, various ways. That's such an interesting point that you were making that you feel like sometimes these elements of spirituality are losing God. And I, it's funny because I do think there's this fear and I get it. A lot of people go, you know, and it's, first of all, the labels of spirituality and religion are insane too, because there's so much correlation of them. But Completely. <laughs> for the sake of conversation and ease, we will continue to use them. <clears throat> so I feel like a lot of people turn towards spirituality when they feel either rejected by or want to reject or feel not connected to any more religion, some sort of anger, some sort of leaving, some sort of disbelief or, and I get it. Um, And so then therefore they're, you know, because that's dismantling for them, they turn towards spirituality, but because God and the word God and the idea of God is so part of most people's religious upbringings, regardless which one, they feel like they have to reject that too. And that spirituality is the version of not connected to it. So, yes. it, is, so it is interesting what's happening out there. And I understand why. Yes. Um, and it is hard. I mean, I, as you're a healer and I teach, I do find that a tricky area sometimes because I never want to turn anyone away or make someone feel uncomfortable if you're speaking in the sense of kind of, this power, this God, but it does, I mean, it does all turn back to you. And so all can, I mean, I think that's the difference versus in a lot of religions, they've turned the idea of this power into something over you. Yes. I think within spirituality, it's more the idea. It it is part of you. It is one with you. It is within all of us. It is you. 
Yes. And, and, you know, I also want to add, you know, kind of in the Western, you know, society, our idea is, you know, you know, God is something above us. And in the Eastern, it's the no space, you know, between the space. And neither of them are fully accurate in the sense that God is the space and the no space. It's the above and the inside. And what's very important, you know, for people on the spiritual realm is that spirituality isn't you know, the lack of God, it's, it's actually knowing that it's the source of everything, you know, even our energy healing modalities, um, sometimes don't even mention God or source or creator. It doesn't matter what word you put on it. But the funny thing is, is the very source of where that energy is even coming from is God is, you know, the creator. So, I think it's very important that we don't miss that element in spirituality. Yeah, it's like changing your relationship. I know, I'm sorry, it's interesting that we're starting here. I promise we're going to get to the story <laughs> and the healing, but I actually find this all very fascinating. On the panel yesterday too, which I keep going back to, there was the woman asked a question too about that, saying how she was raised you know, religious, Catholic, and is no longer that, and just feels this absence, like she's talking about how to bring in meditation and you know, mindfulness to her kids, because at least, even though she didn't, she doesn't want to be connected to Catholicism, at least she felt like she was forced to kind of sit somewhere for like once a week and kind of ponder. Yeah. And she's like, but I don't want to pray to, to St. Anthony or whoever she was praying to. I think she said St. Anthony. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do that. And I remember finally saying like, you can still pray. And because she was like, I want to, I wish they had prayer. And I'm like, but you can give your kids prayer. I was like, who is the God to you now? What does it look like for you? What is it? And I, I do think it's this interesting redefinition that's happening, this redefining of what your relationship is to what you believe in. Yeah. And spirituality is taking the limitations of God away. You know, when I first started this work, um, and you know, I'd come from a Muslim background, so I wanted nothing to do with a mosque at all. I just, I didn't want to even go near it you know, just like this woman didn't want to go back to the church. Um, But, you know, as time went on, I realized, oh my goodness, it's actually the exact opposite. The more spiritual you become, the more inclusive you become. So you can go to a church and feel the benevolence of Christ. You know, um, you know, you can go to a temple and feel the love of Krishna pour through you. And, you know, I remember going back to a mosque years later because someone had a funeral there and we had to go. And I was shocked when I walked in tall. I felt a thousand angels praying at the same time as soon as I walked through that wow. door. And, you know, so I've come to the place where I've realized that, you know, it's not just about going to a spiritual center or going to these specific places and we don't go to those other places, you know, those quote unquote religious places. It, it comes to the point where even if we're by a dumpster truck, we yep. can make that place our sanctuary, our place of God. I mean, absolutely. And by the way, it's funny you say that because one of my favorite things is going like when I travel, I love going in churches and I'm not, I mean, I was raised <laughs> Jewish, so it's funny. And part of it I've always said was, I don't care what religion you are, meditate, spirituality, whatever. When you sit, especially in an old, old, old building of, you know, prayer, you feel it. You can feel the years of vibrations. Yeah. You can feel the years of people 
sitting there and praying to whatever it is they believe in, whether it's asking for love or help or sending out the healings, you feel it. And it's just, it's like in the stonework, it's in the benches, it's there. And I've always found it to be so powerful and so beautiful. I completely agree with you. I love doing the same. Yeah. And, you know, every single place that you go um, has its own unique vibration that it has to offer you. I remember actually going to a temple once, um, a synagogue. And, you know, I was sitting there and I was praying. I think it was like, it was one of those holy days, like Rosh Hashanah or something of that nature. And, you know, we were all praying. It was a long, like from morning to night. And I, I went there midday and you know, I was standing there and I was praying and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is that feeling that I'm loving? What is this energy that's coming through the synagogue? And all of a sudden I, I recognize that it's the feeling that love does not need to be punishing. And that's the vibration that that synagogue held. And so every single place that you go, this magnificent, unique vibration that it holds for you. I love the idea that popped in your head that love does not have to be punishing. Can you talk about where people do feel like it's punishing? I mean, this is where, you know, the religions have kind of taught us. I mean, every single, you know, um, religion has a diff different belief there. But, you know, like, for instance, um, when I was in Islam, they taught me that if I show a strand of my hair, I'll be um, hung by that strand over hell you know imagine a five-year-old hearing that oh God, you know no. <laughs> it was so terrifying I would have been um, screwed <laughs> right <laughs> and and you know you think of God as being a punishing God so you know there's all these different places even through parenting you know it doesn't even have to be religious um, I've seen some parents that don't know how to teach their children other than to punish them it's the only way they know how to get the point across right, right. And so uh, there's so many different ways that we have ideas of punishment it's and so many different ways that we punish ourselves. Yeah, it's the idea of limitation and fitting into something specific. So it's like you are loved if you are these things and behave these ways. Yes, exactly. But otherwise, and that's so interesting because then from an energetic standpoint, the waste of energy and the misdirection of energy that can be used like we were talking about to bring it back, like for healing for yourself is no longer available because it's going elsewhere. Yes. And the thing with punishment too is, is that the major shocker that it actually blocks is our third eye. And you wouldn't think it to be our third eye, um, but it really is because our third eye is, is not only where our intuition is, but it's also where our judge sits our perception of how we see the world sits in our third eye and so does our judge. So when you start having a punishing sort of a mentality, your third eye turns inwards into yourself and starts punishing yourself, you know, and that could be thoughts of criticism, you know, um, ways of no matter how good something went, you'll find the one wrong thing, you know, within it to punish yourself with. That's so interesting. So the idea of self-worth is very much connected to our intuition. Yeah, yes. The idea of, of self-worth um, is very connected to our perception that kind of sits in our third eye and can block our intuition, definitely. Well, I, I mean, it just, it's what I love about that, which people don't realize is like from a healing perspective, 
from a healing perspective, gaining perspective shifts is actually working energy you don't always realize. So it's like working areas or parts of you that you may not realize are actually connected to what's going on with you. And that's what I love. I mean, it just shows you how, I mean, ignorant feels like such a negative word, but I use it for myself too. It's like how ignorant we are in the powers that we have that just lie within us because we actually don't understand or even realize how much is, you know, it's, I mean, even like Louise Hay, who touched on, I think really broke through to a lot of people who just love the idea of learning, like, if your elbow hurts, it actually means this in your emotional life. And I think that really like blew people's minds. And I think it was kind of a beginning, not at the beginning of that work that existed long before, but it was the beginning, I think, of some people starting to even connect these dots that your healing body and your own energetic body tell you all of your stories that you need to know. I think we're so programmed in our heads and our, and our logic that we don't realize we're cut off from our own power. Absolutely. And our body is really our most intimate teacher. Um, and it was definitely my teacher when I started my journey. <laughs> um, sure. I, I, I don't think I would have started my journey um, the way I did, um, you know, without my body really getting my attention. So let's talk about that. So you were, you were a Muslim girl. How old were you? 20s? Um, no, I wasn't even 20. <laughs> oh, wow. um, yeah, I, um, yes, I was a Muslim girl in a very religious fanatic family. Um, um, and don't get me wrong. I love my family, but, um, you know, this is very intense. We prayed five times a day. We, um, all wore the burqa. We were only allowed to show our eyes. Um, I wasn't even allowed to wax my unibrow, you know, and I wasn't allowed to wear contact lenses. So I had a burqa on with glasses, <laughs> with glasses, and a unibrow. I look like ET. I kid you not. <laughs> um, least popular girl in school. And, um, long story, what happened was my parents um, got a divorce and I ended up staying with my father. Um, and as the years passed by, it got harder and harder, especially as my hormones set in. May I ask like how, because usually the decision is different. Did you want to stay with your father? Was that decided between your parents? Was that a court thing? My mother couldn't afford me at the time. Um, and so the best choice was to stay with my father. And, you know, they got a divorce when I was nine. So it hadn't fully hit me until I was around 14. Did That's when siblings? it was really hard. No, I was the only child. And when you say your mom couldn't afford you, that's interesting. Was that because of like Muslim religion, the way it was split? Because like today, like if it was California, your mom would have gotten half the money. You know what I mean? And would have probably had child support, stuff like that. Um, it was because she had to kind of start anew all by herself. Um, and, you know, at the time, you know, she was an OBGYN. She didn't have as much money. Um, she really had to build herself up. So the first few years she was in a, you know, sharing accommodations with, you know, other people. Um, so she had to, and I don't think she had much help from my father at the time. So, um, no, those rules do not, um, you know, alimony and child support are very different there. <laughs> right. Understood. Yeah. So you were living with your dad. So I was living with my dad. And finally, uh, um, a year came where I really couldn't take it anymore. So I begged my mother to move in with her. And a year later, I was able to. And when I moved in with my mother, my mother isn't 
very religious. She is more conservative Persian. So women don't have sex until marriage. This is what you do. This is the school you go to, um, things of that nature. She was very, very conservative. Um, but she was very easy to sneak around because I've been in jail with my dad and all I had to do was wait for my mom to sleep at night and I would just go out and, you know, come back at whatever time uh, before she woke up. And I took my burqa off. I swung to the other side of the pendulum like a bird that's just come out of a cage. Daily or when she wasn't looking? Oh no, daily. Um, she didn't, she didn't really care about the burqa. Um, and so. Now was your dad going crazy? My dad did not know. Oh wow. So did they live far enough apart where like, got it. Yeah. My dad didn't know. And so, um, Uh, When I swung to the other side of the pendulum, I started realizing that, oh my goodness, my body gets so much attention. So I started to wear mini skirts and high stiletto heels and just dyed my hair blonde, blonde, blonde. Oh my God. I I know. And I started to go to the clubs around five to six nights a week, um, having a lot of sex, drinking a lot until I, you know, would pass out. Um, and just really, um, started leading a very, um, unhealthy, um, life there. And one day tall, I woke up in the morning and I started seeing these dots on my vaginal area and I didn't know what was going on. Um, I thought to myself, you know, this may be because I'm shaving so much. I mean, I don't know what this is. Um, but as the weeks went by, these dots turned into growths and I knew something was wrong. It did not look like a pimple. And so I couldn't tell my mother. I most certainly couldn't tell my father. And your so mom was me, OBGYN, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, but we didn't talk about sex. Interesting. Yeah, that wasn't allowed. And um, I didn't know where these dots came from. She had no idea what was going on. Right. If she found out you were having sex, it would not go over well. Oh, no. She would, she would never look at me the same. She'd be so disgusted. And so um, I went to the doctor uh, with my friend. And, you know, the doctor did a series of exams on me. And while she was in there, she says, you know, we need a biopsy. And I remember thinking, biopsy? Biopsy for what? But I didn't fully understand what was going on. Um, long story short, um, a few days later, when the results came back in, I went back into the office and I'm sitting in front of her and she says to me, um, first of all, Katie, you have this virus um, and this virus is called HPV. Um, and it's a virus that once you get it, um, you cannot heal it. It's, it's always in your body. Even if the symptoms go dormant, it's always in your body. It's kind of like herpes or HIV. It's just always there. And she said, the type that you have is creating um, basically genital growths, genital warts. And I, I looked at her and I, I was, my jaw just dropped because, you know, we as Middle Eastern women, we're taught that our only purpose in life is to get married and have kids. And the first thought I had is who's going to want to marry this? I mean, I can't even look down at myself right now. Oh. Now, let alone someone else, you know? And so I said to her, is there a pill for this? Is there a cream? Is there something I can do to heal this? And she said, unfortunately not. Um, she said, we can take you into surgery um, and burn them off, cut them off or freeze them off. But like grass, they keep growing back until your immune system fights it and it goes dormant again. 
So when she said anything can provoke it from growing back, like extra stress, not, you know, um, you know, good nutrition. Um, so at any time it can come back. And so I was so devastated. Um, and I was, you know, about to leave. And I was kind of a little, remember, I remember being a little, feeling a little dirty, a little disgusted at myself. And the doctor says, Katie, I have more news. You have cervical cancer. And the genital words was enough for me. Knowing that I had cervical cancer was just beyond what, what I could even take. Um, and she says to me, unfortunately, it's past going in there and removing the cells. You need full treatment. So we need to get you into chemo and everything. You know, she was starting to talk and lay it out. And then my favorite part, she says, we need full permission from your father or husband to start treatment. Why not your mom? Because um, over there, it's Sharia law. So you need Got a male, male to give you permission. And so I was so frozen and paralyzed. It was too much for me to take. I looked at my friend. My friend knew what was going on. She says, okay, doctor, we're going to come back for more information later. And we ran out of there. Where went, were you exactly? Um, I was in the Middle East. Um, so we moved around a lot. So at the time, um, I remember, I think I was in um, either Abu Dhabi or Qatar. Okay. Um, yeah, so we were in the Middle East at the time. Um, I, I was around 16, 17. Um, so this was a while ago. And so um, as we're there, you know, getting this information, we step out and I go home and I had to digest it. And I, I remember thinking to myself, Tall, my fear of the cancer is worse. Um, than any other fear that I have. But as I sat there and I thought about it, I'm like, no, wait, there is one more fear that's even bigger, my fear of my parents. Mm -hmm. So my fear of my parents was worse than my fear of the cancer. And so I decided not to tell them. And I was so naive at the time. I, I just, you know, I read a lot of spiritual books, but I've never even gone to a spiritual class or anything of that nature. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I'm spiritual. I'm going to go do a few Reiki sessions and change my diet and heal this naturally. <laughs> you know, thinking that just like that with the whip of a magic wand, it would all erase. So I started this healing journey of trying to heal it naturally. Um, month after month after month, it got worse and worse and worse to the point where by the fifth month, um, the growth started growing all over. It just looked like an Amazon forest. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was awful. Um, by the sixth month, it started growing all the way behind me. And I didn't even know that was possible. Um, so I was so devastated and traumatized by the um, seventh month. I started feeling this pain in my cervix area and it started with cramping. But by the eighth month, this cramping turned into nonstop pain. And that I knew was because the cancer inside was growing. And so one day I look at the calendar and eight months had passed. Tomorrow was going to be the first day of the ninth month. And all of a sudden it hit me. You know, when you're just slapped out of denial. Yeah. 
It was one of those moments. And have you ever had those surrender moments when you're on your knees on the floor and you feel like nothing in this physical world can help you? You have no other option but to look up at God. Yeah. That, that was that moment for me. It was that surrender moment. Um, so I'm on my knees on the floor and I'm crying, crying to God. God, I beg you, please help me. I was so desperate. I remember my desperation. And all of a sudden I had this feeling come through me, like a little bit of an epiphany of Katie, do a healing session on yourself. And I remember fighting that thought, like, I don't know how to do a healing. I've never done this before. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not connected enough. All these thoughts just went through my head. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so desperate. I have nothing to lose. And so I lay down on my friend's bed and I started to breathe real hard. And with every breath, I just drew God in, drew spirit in, drew God in, drew spirit in. And I did this breath connection thing for around 45 minutes. At the end of the 45 minutes when I stopped, um, I had one of the most spiritually profound experiences I had ever had up to that point. It felt like the presence of God was in the room and it had this I am here type feeling. And I felt total peace, but yet ecstasy at the same time. You know, you've had so many spiritual experiences, you know, they're so hard to explain, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I let that be and I opened my, you know, I opened my eyes and I'm like, wow, that was amazing. What happened? You know, not, no, I just thought it was not quite knowing what happened. So three days later, um, I looked down at my vaginal area and all my warts had disappeared tall. Overnight, there was not one dot, one blemish, nothing. It was gone. I could recognize my vagina for the first time in nine months. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, all of a sudden, I had this courage of I can't sweep this cancer thing under the rug anymore. I'm going to tell my mother. So my plan was to go get retested, take the test back um, to my mother because I knew it had progressed so much in this nine months and then have her be the buffer between me and my dad. So I go back, get retested, same doctor. Um, she gave me such a hard time for taking nine months to come back. Um, a few days later, I get a call from the assistant telling me, Katie, we mix up your lab results. You have to go back in and get retested all over again. And I thought to myself, do I want to go back to a hospital that mixes up lab results? Right. You know? And then she's like, it's free. And I'm like, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back, I got retested again. And um, they called me again a few days later with the results. They told me to come in. So I went in, I sat in front of the doctor and she looks at me and she says, first of all, Katie, we came to test what strand of HPV you have because there's many, many strands of it. Um, and she said, we couldn't find the HPV, um, which is impossible because once you have it, you always have it with you. And then she said, Katie, what work have you done on yourself? And I said, I haven't done any work. I'm, I'm coming to figure out what my next steps are. And she said, Katie, there's no trace of cancer. What work have you done on yourself? And all of a sudden, Tal, when she said that, it clicked in my head. 
that healing, that day that I had had that healing, it had been a miraculous healing. And that was my first taste of knowing that with partnership with spirit, with partnership with God, miracles are possible, healing is possible. And that's what kind of set me down this journey of gateway healing and everything, um, you know, that we've come to now. Oh my God. I mean, it's such an incredible story. What did you, did you tell your mom afterwards or no? Were you like, well, now I'm scot-free? Absolutely not. <laughs> I did not tell my mom. Um, she actually found out years later when I was on TV, a friend of hers sent me, sent her a segment. Um, and yeah, so that's a totally different story. <laughs> and what, I mean, were they pissed, your mom and your dad? She was, and my dad still doesn't, I don't think my dad still knows to this day, or if he does, I don't think he really cares, but um, my mom was livid. My mom was really, really livid. Yeah, she was very angry. And then what about your friend that was with you? Was she, what was she doing for those nine months? I mean, knowing you had cancer and you weren't doing anything. You know, she was such an incredibly good friend. Um, she was really a blessing that came into my life at that time. Till this day, I uh, I love her so much, um, and we still keep in touch. She did everything she could to help me. You know, everything from you know going to the store, buying greens, you know, um, saving up her Christmas money, giving it to me so that I could, you know, um, spend it on anything that I could that I thought would try and heal me. Um, cause I tried so many things along the way for healing. Um, so she was very supportive. Now, when you were over there, how, how readily available were things like Reiki, like these other healing modalities you were trying? I mean, was that even that available? Yes, there, there were, um, maybe one or two healing centers in the entire, you know, um, state there. Um, and I remember going to a woman that was known to heal physical issues. In fact, I spent a lot of money on her. Um, yeah, I would go once a week getting a healing, but unfortunately it just got worse and worse and worse. Hey guys, certification roundup time. Um, you know, I'm always preaching, go a little deeper in your practice and take some certifications. So I wanted to let you know, this year we have added so many more. But like usual, we have our teacher training, which is a great certification if you want to deepen your practice or you're looking to teach. We have Reiki certification at all levels. Our sound certification has been added. So if you want to learn how to play the bowls, that's for you. Akashic Records, both basic and advanced. And intuitive healing, which is always one of our more popular ones that we run a few times a year. Crystal certification being added and a tarot reading certification. So please, if you're interested, go to denmeditation.com, go to certifications, check out the schedule, or you can email denteachertraining at denmeditation.com and we can answer any questions you have as well. But here's some good news. If you don't live in LA or you don't have the time to like come in at our schedule, a few of these are already on our denanywhere.com site and you can do them at your own leisure. So go to denanywhere.com, check out what we have there and we're always adding as well. So I hope you join us this year and get certified. So talk to me about, so now you have this incredible, miraculous change. In that moment, after the doctor's appointment, then what? 
So then um, I realized I have no spiritual foundation whatsoever. I have no understanding of what just happened. So um, I went to spiritual university. I signed myself up. Um, that became my route, my life. Um, I In four years, I got my bachelor's degree in spiritual psychology. And in, in the next two years after that, I got my master's there in spiritual psychology. And after the first year of being in spiritual school, after I, I had now had a stronger foundation, I started working on others like guinea pigs, um, trying to see if I could recreate my experience for others or if this was just a one-time fluke. And so at the start, you know, um, little aches and pains and things of that nature were healing. Um, But then as we continued on, uh, people started to have bigger healing. So people were healing from anxieties, depressions, like money blockages, relationship issues. Then we had someone heal from kidney stones. Then we had someone heal from cancer. And then after that, we knew, oh my goodness, something is going on here. And that's what actually birthed Gateway Healing. And the classes started um, getting created after that. So first we started with level one, you know, learning how to do it on yourself, you know, all the way up to, you know, now we have, you know, practitioner programs where people can become a practitioner of this work and give it to others. That's so incredible. And that moment when you were on the bed and you kind of received this version of healing, did you, uh, could you comprehend what a gift it was? Not at all. Um, no, I, and I really didn't know that it, where it was going to take me. And in fact, you know, after going to spiritual school, um, one of the things that you learned there was channeling. And I had to sit down and channel and ask a lot of questions about what it is exactly that happened. So a lot of my understanding of the healing came after the healing had actually happened. And so what was explained to you? So um, I'll never forget this. One day I said, what is this healing? What do I call this healing? And as clear as day, um, Tall, I heard this male's voice say, this is an intercession. Now, what does an intercession mean? An intercession means a spiritual intervention. It means something of a higher nature is coming in to intercede on your behalf. And so think of it like, you know, we're all driving our cars and we get stuck in a ditch and we don't know how to get out of this ditch. And finally, we take our hands off the wheel and we just say, I surrender. And in that moment, that help that comes in through to get us out of the ditch, um, if our ego's out of the way and we're surrendering is what an intercession is called. Amazing. And you can call in an intercession. Yes, you can always ask for an intercession. And the deeper the surrender you're in, the quicker the healing happens. And is the breath what kind of helps you surrender? Absolutely. You just got it. Because you know, <laughs> people think that this is breath work, but it, it's really intercession work. Right. The breath is what opens you up to receive it. It's what takes those resistances out of the way and gets your vessel to open up deeper. Um, you're literally the first one that has just said it. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Yes. Pat on the back, pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> so do your parents know what you do now? Like, are you close to them or...? Yes. Yeah, so um, my father, I speak to him on Skype maybe once a week. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, he, you know... Um, 
he, he doesn't fully know what I do. I mean, I've told him what I do, but you know, he just laughs, you right. know? Fully uh, yeah, no, he, and it, it's okay. You know, um, I think it's adorable. Um, and then my mother, um, has a, bit of a more of an understanding of what I do. Like she, she understands what meditation is, what healing is, um, all of those things. And like the fact that you're burqa free, how does that go over with your dad? Like, how does he deal with the fact that you're pretty modern? Uh, well, you know, I've grown up right to the point where he doesn't really have a say in my life anymore. Right. So those boundaries have really been created, um, you know, a long time ago. So right now he knows that if he wants his daughter in his life, he has to accept his daughter. So that's not he really problem anymore. Yes, absolutely. To the extent that he can. So talk to me because I love, I mean, look, we're so lucky to have you. You're coming here in April to do the certification so people can learn gateway healing. And in the process, I mean, I have the dates here. You're going to be at the den doing a bunch of pop-ups and workshops just to get people even acquainted with you and how it works. So like, please look at the schedule and I'll go over it after this podcast and it'll also be on our website. But in March, we have a few dates. And in April, we have a few dates like the 17th, 18th, 19th, and 25th. And the certification is the 25th and 26th. So let's, I want to talk a little bit about it because it's so fascinating, like what the certification is about. And I also want to talk about you make people do a healing with you first to even see if this is something that works for them, correct? Or that is where they should be heading. So the reason we do a healing first is because um, how can you learn something that you haven't experienced for yourself firsthand? Right. You know, if you come to the class um, to learn how to do it, uh, level one, and which is what we're doing um, in, you know, the den is the basics, learning how to connect with spirit, which is so important, um, and learning how to do the self-healing on yourself. So after we are done, with that weekend, you can do an intercession, a gateway healing on yourself whenever you want to, whenever you have a block, whenever there's a problem that arises. Um, and the private session um, is really twofold. One is because, you know, I want us to meet and figure out what is the biggest priority of what it is that you need to heal. Um, and so for the first hour, we sit and we talk and we tune in together to see what your blocks are and what the biggest priority is. And in the second hour of the healing, we actually get you on the table and get you to an experience, um, a gateway healing firsthand. Love it. So, so that when you go to class, you're not confused. You've already had an experience of it. Amazing. Yes. What do you feel like most people come to you for? Oh my goodness. So... <laughs> Honestly, um, you know, at the start when people came, I would only attract a few types of problems, but I've realized that the more we expand as healers and therapists, um, we start attracting the more complicated cases because mm -hmm. we have the bandwidth for it now. So, you know, at all you healers out there, um, when you know that your situations, um, client situations are getting more complicated and more complex, it's because you've just expanded your channel as a healer and what you can give. So um, I've had people come for um, relationship blockages, people wanting to to attract relationships or people healing from divorces or relationship issues. Um, I've had people come in um, because they're wanting more abundance and success in their life um, and want to look at those blocks that are actually getting in the way of that, that they may not even consciously know about. Um, we have a lot of people come for um, 
physical issues, any type of physical blockage um, that they may have, you know, anything small from a little backache to, you know, bigger things such as cancer. Um, and we've also had people that have had spiritual issues. And what I mean by that is, is they've been feeling disconnected for a long time, or they have a hunger to feel spirit, to have a more intimate connection um, with spirit, uh, to be in deeper communion. Um, or sometimes they may feel like they have an attachment or something of that nature. So we've had many, many different stories. I've come to the place tall where I've realized that there's really nothing that spirit can't work on. So when people say, does it work on this? The answer is yes. Yeah, or when people say, does it work on that? The answer is that. The answer is yes, because there really is nothing that spirit can't work on. Spirit is all seeing. It can see through us better um, than we can even see through ourselves. And in fact, you know, one thing that I've realized, Tal, is, is that sometimes we may think we know what we need, but we really don't know mm -hmm. what our soul really wants. You I know? think that's huge. I think most people don't actually know how to listen to the true voice inside. I mean, it's a really, that's, it's actually really hard. There's so many layers in between, but I can see how your gateway healing is actually a huge gateway for that because just, you know, I always say the breath is so much of a connection to source. People don't even realize it and that, and we don't really, I don't, I'm tend to be a very shallow breather. Most of us aren't truly breathing in the day. And it's like, something like what you're saying. I mean, you were there for 45 minutes doing this like intense breathing like that. And yes, it's surrender like we were talking about, but the breath itself has so much knowledge and so much connection and so much source that brings you closer to your, to you, to your soul, to your purpose, to be able to hear that voice of what it is you actually need not what we think we need. And even absolutely, and, and the breath is free, which is so awesome. You know? <laughs> exactly, right, right, right. But anytime. Um, and, but more important than the breath, spirit itself. And when we, we talk about spirit, we're talking about all those in the unseen world um, that are watching over you, supporting yeah. you, waiting to come in through and help. They can see through you like an x-ray you know, and what, you know, when I really learned this, I had this client come to me once. Um, and, you know, when she called me on the phone, uh, you know, she said, Katie, you know, I, I want to come in for a healing session. And, you know, my friend had a healing and I want a healing and I have a lot of joint problems, especially knee problems. And, you know, she was a very interesting woman. You know, she said, um, she sounded very high maintenance. She said to me on the phone, well, what kind of massage table do you use? Because I can only lay down on this kind and I can't lay down on that kind. And right. is your pillow a throw pillow or, you know, does it have foam inside of it? And she asked me these craziest questions. And, you know, at the end of the, the you know, when we had booked the session in my head, I'm like, am I going to regret this? Right. <laughs> so she comes in through for a healing session. And as soon as she walks in, she says, excuse me, I need an extra chair. And I said, uh, what do you need the chair for? She said, it's for my bag. I'm like, you don't want to put it by your couch? She says, no, it's bad feng shui. My chair, my, my bag needs its own chair. So I had to go find um, a chair to put her bag on. Finally, we get her on the healing table. And, you know, we do the healing session. 
And as we're opening the bridge, which is um, what we do in Gateway, we open the bridge, we open the channel to the other side for spirit to come in through. Um, our intention was to heal her joint problems, her knees especially. And all of this energy is coming in through Tall, and it was a beautiful session. She gave a really good breath and she gave a, a really good connection. But what I noticed is a lot of the energy was around her heart and not around her knees. And, I, and I've come to the point where I, I don't even bother trying to understand because spirit really works in mysterious ways. And so um, as the session ended, immediately, you know, she opens her eyes and she said, did it work? And I'm like, um, I'm like, yeah, it was a beautiful session. So much beautiful energy came in through and, you know, she sits up, she stands up and she's like, she moves her knee and she's like, nope, my knee's not healed. Nope. It didn't work. And she walks off and leaves. And I thought to myself, okay, well, I don't have an attachment to outcome. So goodbye, lady. <laughs> and um, a few days later, I get a um, call from her and she says, I want to come back in for a second session. So she comes back in for a second session. And again, same thing, beautiful session, lots of energy, especially around the heart. And... Um, immediately as soon as the session's done you're supposed to take 10 minutes and just let it integrate but within five minutes she opens her eyes moves her knee around on the table then gets up says nope no healing <laughs> she has even more attitude and then i just say okay let it marinate with you for a few days and all of that stuff she leaves and then I get a phone call again a few days later and she says, well, my miraculous number is number three and it is a very sacred number. So I'm going to come back in for the third session. And so she comes in for a third session. We do the healing session, same thing, beautiful session. And as soon as she opens her eyes, she gets off the table. She tests her knee out and tall, nothing not even an ounce of relief. <laughs> this woman goes nuts on me. Nuts. You're not even a good healer. You're a charlatan. I mean, look at you. How old are you? Should you even be doing healings? I'm going to tell everyone in town that you are fake. This was the worst thing of my money that I've ever spent. I want to refund. This woman went off on me tall for 20 minutes. Finally, she left because I couldn't take it anymore. I said, ma'am, I think it's time for you to leave. I opened the door and just pointed to the door and she left. I want to say six months later, I'm sitting on my couch and my phone rings and I see the woman's name flashing on my phone. And I think to myself, do I even want to answer this? Is she going to ask for more of a refund? Like, why is she calling? Finally, I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. So I picked up the phone and she said, Katie, darling, hello. <laughs> and I'm like, hi, <laughs> how are you? You know, and she said, Katie, I just want to thank you for the three most exquisite healings I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, 
did your knee heal? You know, I was so cautious with her. And she's like, oh, no, honey, that rusty old thing, it hasn't healed. It's still the same. But what I didn't tell you is when I came in for my healing sessions, I was on the brink of signing divorce papers with my husband. And after the healing sessions, we went in to sign them. And I had such a huge shift that happened inside of me that we repaired a marriage that's been broken for 20 years and just about to go on our honeymoon. And so the reason why I share that story is because sometimes we think we know what our biggest priorities in life are, what we're meant to heal, but sometimes spirit has a very bigger vision for us of what is really important. And in this case, it was repairing a marriage that should not have been broken in the first place instead of her need. And would you tell her, like when she would finish the things, would you tell her, like, I'm seeing the energy around your heart or no, would you keep that? I, I did. She was just um, such a personality right, right, <laughs> that right. it would go in one ear and come out of the other. Um, so, I, I mean, I did tell her all the things that I experienced, but it didn't seem to matter because she was so stuck on that one expectation that she had. It is amazing. And I, I mean, I feel like you've brought such a gift to everyone. And we're so, I mean, it, it's horrible that you had such a crisis yourself, but obviously you came out of it. And it is amazing like what came to you in that moment of surrender, like you said, where you just kind of surrender and beg for help. And now like you get to provide it for so many other people. What a, what, how awesome. I mean, would you ever have imagined that this is what you would be doing? Absolutely not. And Tal, I learned so many lessons along the way, you know, um, I mean, I really learned the hard way of what to do, what not to do. Um, You know, I I learned so much about miracles, you know, how does a miracle happen? Who does it happen to? When does it happen? Right. You know, and and that was always one of my biggest fascinations there. Um, And I also learned to redefine my definition of what a miracle is. So what's your definition of a miracle? You know, my definition of a miracle, I'll tell you, used to be instantaneous. It has to happen right this second, spontaneous healing. Right. But my idea of a miracle has changed because now what I think of a miracle is whenever even one thought inside of us changes, we have made a huge shift inside of us. Even one block inside of us shifts, we have taken a step forward in our soul's evolution. And I've learned that sometimes miracles tall don't happen in one session, which, you know, in this day and age in spirituality, people just want to take a pill, you know, and in one session, they want everything to erase. Exactly. And what I've learned also with miracles is that sometimes miracles happen through consistency. And consistency and persistence are so, so important. I mean, it's so true. I mean, that's why when you look at any lineage of anything, they, that's what they promote. It's like consistency and practice. Because I agree with you. I find it's changed for me too. And as I've gotten older and more into my own practice, I find like the slow unfolding into the next stage, whatever that is. And there's always a next one. Like I try and explain it to people. You don't, you don't just heal, whatever it is, whether it's something big, physical, or even something small, emotional. You don't heal something in your life or figure out something in your life and get to that next stage. And then you're like, oh, this is it. I did it. I'm here. It's like, you might 
get to party for a little bit in that space. <laughs> but pretty soon there's a whole other opening of like unfolding. And I find the miracles are within that unfolding. And what I've really enjoyed as I've gotten older is the enjoyment, just allowing myself to actually enjoy the uncertainty and kind of know, like now I feel like I can recognize those moments more. I can kind of recognize when I'm falling into like, oh, there's a shift happening. Something's changing. Have no clue what it is. And it always feels a little uncomfortable because you don't know what that means at all, like at all. You don't know, does that mean I'm going to unravel into something tragic? Is my life going to totally turn upside down? Do I have to change? Or is it something subtle? I, you don't know in the beginning. And I feel like that's where people start to actually contract and hold on to things because you want control. That's our, our society. But I feel like I've actually really learned to kind of get excited about those moments where I'm like, oh, okay, I can tell I'm in a moment of shifting. I have no clue where that's going or what it's about. Or sometimes I might be in the middle of it and I have more of a clue. But the excitement of being like, where is it taking me? Because I feel like once you trust it and you know that it's always taking you to where you need to go, then there is something exciting. You're kind of like, what's the surprise at the end of you know, the trip? Absolutely. So, yeah. So I do yeah. feel like miracles are defined differently because I feel like just that allowance of space and allowance of transformation is a miracle in and of itself. Because most of us do not live that way. And, you know, the, you know, the sign of true spiritual maturity, which is exactly what you just said, is that knowing that it's always going to be unraveling. You know, we think that in one lifetime, we're just going to come to this enlightenment where, you know, we're going to be levitating, you know, and, you know, walking on water um, or whatever it is those ideas are. Um, but, you know, the true sign of spiritual maturity is knowing that, um this world is a messy place and perfection doesn't really exist here. We're not really here to be perfect. No, you know? I mean, frankly, we were put here not to be and to understand what that means. Exactly. And, and to kind of meet each moment as it comes. And so that's why, you know, some people, they, you know, they do a healing session and I'm not even talking about with me, I'm talking any healing modality. They do one healing session and it doesn't work or that outcome, you know, that they want, they don't get. And then they say, ah, this healing modality doesn't work. I'm done with it. Off to the next one. And instead of sticking with it long enough, having persistence until those deeper layers inside are hit and the true healing happens. And usually what happens is, you know, as people stick with a practice until it gets uncomfortable, like when that moment hits where it gets uncomfortable, instead of sticking with it and working their way out to the other side, they just jump and hop on, you know, to some other candy out there. And it's true. Usually in those uncomfortable moments is when you're about to go the deepest. Exactly. And I mean, you as a Kundalini yoga teacher uh, probably know that more than anyone else, you For know, sure. Yeah. We put people in those literal positions all the time. <laughs> like, you're uncomfortable, stick with it, you can do it. And it, it is, it's symbolic and it is energetic. Absolutely. And, and the first time, you know, I, I remember there's this woman that really taught me this lesson. Um, there's a sweet lady that came in once, her name was Patty. And she was so energetic, tall. She was, um, I believe at the time, 70-something years old. Um, and unfortunately, she walked on a walker. And she said, as she came in, Katie, I just want to dance. I, I want to get rid of this walker. I want to go back to my salsa lessons. Um, and she had so much positivity and energy. She made me feel like an old woman. <laughs> right. 
And so she said, my healing um, intention is to walk without a walker. And so um, she couldn't bend her knees. She couldn't do much. Um, her hips and her knees really, really hurt. And so um, she came in for a healing session. We did it. And that healing session was so profound for her because she reconnected back to her mom that had passed away. Um, and it was tears and, and just, it was such a touching session. And, um, you know, as she got off the table, she said, Katie, do you do packages? I said, yes, of course we can do a package if you want. Uh, I said, do you want to do package of three? She said, totally. So she came in for session number two, session number three, session number four, and tall, this woman gave her hundred percent. She was connecting. She was totally in it. She was in the breath. She was doing it all the way you could ask anyone to do. I mean, it was phenomenal, but by the end of the fourth session, um, and our intention had been the same to heal the hip and the knee so that she could walk without a walker. After the fourth session, she still hadn't experienced a healing at all like zero, not even a tiny bit of a change. And so she gets off the table, you know, she leaves with her walker. So sweet. She said, thank you so much, Katie. I love these healing sessions. And, and she left um, in the most positive attitude. A few days later, I get a call from her saying, Katie, can we do another package of three? And I, I said, why? She said, I want to continue working on my hips and knees. And I said, okay, but I just want you to know, I never know what's going to happen. So no expectations. She said, none at all, Katie. I love these sessions. So she comes back in. I know, so sweet. We do session number five, nothing at all. No healing. Session number six, nothing. She went home and she had a major flare up. So instead of it getting better tall, it got worse in agony that night. And so she still came back for her next session. Now we're on session number seven. Um, sorry, session number six. So she came in. Oh, no, no. Seven and seven. seven. Sorry. Yeah. Session number seven. She comes in. We do the session. Energy moving all over the place. Amazing connection. Amazing breath. She gets off the table and nothing. Now this woman has done seven sessions with me and there hasn't been the least bit of relief. She walks out so gratefully. Thank you so much, Katie, and leaves. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, you know, uh, I'm probably never going to hear from her again. But a few days later, I get a call saying, can I book another package of three? (laughs) And I thought to myself, no, you know, I think, honey, you should just let this marinate. You know, my my worst fear for her was, is that, you know, maybe it wasn't the right time or maybe this wasn't the right healing. I mean, I threw every excuse out there because I didn't want to um, disappoint any expectations that she had. And, you know, so I said, you know, maybe we should just hold off on it. And she said to me, Katie, didn't you say in every healing session, a spiritual healing happens? I said, absolutely, 100%. She said, why are you denying me my spiritual healing? And I'm like, oh dear, well, how can you say no to that? So I was like, okay, last three sessions. So she came in, session number eight, we did a healing session. Same intention, dear spirit, please heal her knees and her hips. Nothing. Session number nine, we finished the session and she has the biggest flare up she's had. 
She had to call the hospital. Um, she had to go in, get extra meds. She had to reschedule her last session. So instead of it getting better, it got so bad. Session number 10, I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait till this is over because this has been a lot of pressure. Um, and so I went in, did session number 10, and I gave it my all like every other session. And she gets off the healing table. And lo and behold, tall, there is no pain. Wow. Completely healed. Until this day, she's a part of our spiritual community. She, when she comes and sits with us, she sits on the floor and she bends her knees. Oh my God. Yes, in yoga sitting position. And so the whole point to sharing this story is, is sometimes we're wanting the quick fix, but sometimes miracles happen through consistency. And that woman with her persistence taught me that. So when people aren't getting the result they want in the first session or the third session or whatever, continue on. Because if you continue on in time, you will break through those layers that are getting in the way of you receiving your healing. Do you think that was part of the flare-ups? Like it was flaring up because it was shifting? Absolutely. Now looking back, you know, those flare-ups were actually healing flare-ups. Um, yeah, they weren't getting worse flare-ups, which is what I thought at the time. Right. That's amazing. I can't wait for the certification to come. I can't wait for your pop-ups and your workshops. And I'm so thrilled that we get to offer this to our community. So I'm please, so excited to be a part of yeah, no, it's going to be great. You guys check the website, go to denmeditation.com, like get signed up because it's going to be really incredible. And I can't wait to do a healing with you too. I'm so excited. It would be an honor to have you on the table. Yeah. And then I'll talk about it. I'll tell everyone. Oh. Don't worry. I'll be patient. Yes. <laughs> and that's why um, doing the class is so important because the class gives you the tools to continue on by yourself at home right. until your healing does happen where you don't have to rely on another healer or a therapist. Um, you, can, you have the tools now to continue on by yourself. I mean, and that's the whole point. I mean, right, that's the self-empowerment. And remember that we are beings that are so much more powerful than we can even conceive. Absolutely. Let's do your four use four quick questions before um, you do your personal practice. So, oh, this is a good one for you because I'm guessing you don't have any. Um, do you have tattoos? No, I don't. <laughs> right, I, I would assume. Well, no, because especially how you were raised. So if you had to get a tattoo, what would it be? Ooh, oh my goodness. You know, someone once said to me, um, a Bentley doesn't need bumper stickers. <laughs> um, so, I love that. Yeah, I know. I love it too. Um, so I guess if I had to have a bumper sticker to. in my body, um, it would be um, with partnership with spirit, anything is possible. Partnership. I love that. Say that again. With partnership with spirit, anything is possible. Oh, what do you do when you first wake up? First thing. First thing in the morning, um, for an hour in the morning, I pray. Um, I personally love Mother Mary, um, so usually she's very strong in my prayers. Um, and usually in the days where I don't do that, um, I feel really, really off. Um, so it, it's almost, that. yeah, it's almost like I need it. I really, really need it to get through the day. What does a perfect day look like for you? A perfect day for me looks like when I'm very productive because um, I have the personality type. Um, 
um, that um, I'm either all in or I'm nothing. So the days when I'm super productive are the days where I am super, super proud of myself. So perfect day would be, um, you know, getting through the healing sessions, um, answering all my emails, eating extremely good food, right. um, taking my dog for all the walks that needs to go on, um, and um, ending the night with an extra hour of prayer. Um, so so you, you start and end your day with prayer. Yes, I do. And if I fall asleep during prayer, uh, I'm really happy about that because um, I always have this belief that whatever prayers you don't finish, spirit will finish it for you if you're asleep. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So you start yeah. on your day. I love that. So that's part of it. So prayer is a huge part of your personal practice. Huge. Amazing. If you, if you, could go anywhere what to use like the most inspirational place um i have a few places i really really love um the first one is a actually a place two hours away from atlanta it's in the blue ridge mountains and it's called delphi and i love going there because it's a channeling school so it's been 30 something years of people channeling there um so the energy is very tangible um, so that's one place I always go to recharge. Um, another place I love going is it's called Medjugorje um, and it's in Bosnia and it's a place where Mother Mary has been appearing for 38 years um, miraculously. People have seen visions of her, had miraculous healings. Um, it, the list just goes on and on and on. So that's another place I love. So you're very connected to Mother Mary. I do. I love her. Now, was that, when did that develop for you? That developed because in the hardest times, she showed up without me asking for her to show up. So, yeah, which is really weird because usually with spirit, you know, I invoke them in and there they are, right? We ask for them to come and there they are. But the interesting thing with Mother Mary is she showed up without me asking, um, and what I love about Mother Mary is she's the ascended master of grace. So wherever people need grace, she pours it in through to help us get through our hardest of challenges. I kind of love that we started and are finishing with grace. Absolutely. Yes. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much for talking to me. Her personal practice, which I love, is going to be a prayer, a prayer people can say while they're, before they go to sleep, that helps open them up to good things, right? To come into their lives, like a nice mantra. Yes, absolutely. We'll do that in a second. You are amazing. I mean, your story is very inspiring. And I really hope, you know, we get a lot of emails and you guys keep it coming. A lot of people get in touch with me over Instagram and, and we get emails and comments and always posts where people just say like, this podcast has been just really helpful when people have been in times of like the unknown. And I feel like what we talked about today is really great for that. It's just that sense of trust and that you are part of something so much more and capable of something so much more and how empowering the fact that you can do these healings for yourself. I mean, even though you told great stories, I think the whole point of this is you, every single person who's listening to this can do these healings for themselves. Absolutely. And that's huge and very empowering. So thank you for that gift just alone, which is amazing. And thank you for having me on. Um, it, you know, it's always been my hope to come to LA and I feel that it was through divine intervention that I got to meet you um, in LA. Well, LA cannot wait to have you. We're so excited. <laughs> um, so you guys all stay tuned because she is going to do her personal practice. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. 
should I get started? Yeah, let me, I'm going to introduce it. Um, so do you call it, I'm going to say your personal practice is a prayer mantra. Should I say that to you before sleeping? Or do you uh, call yeah, it a prayer mantra to attract good things. To yeah. attract good things, great. Um, and then it's going to be as if I'm not here. You're not going to hear me ever again after that. So just open And how long does it need to be? I'd say five to 10 minutes, whichever one you want. Okay, it's probably going to be closer to five because it's not that long. That's okay. totally fine. But then end it. So you like whatever it is, like have people open their eyes, whatever you do, and then that's it. Like I'm not going to talk again. Okay. I mean, you and I can talk again afterwards, but like it's, okay. as a recording, I'm not Okay, gonna I'm going to give you a thumbs up when it's done. Perfect. Okay. So now Katie's going to do her personal practice, which is a prayer mantra to attract good things to your life. All right, everybody, let's have everyone close their eyes now. And as we close our eyes, let's take three deep breaths to really expand our soul and our spirit. Deep breath in. And the next breath, let's expand even more. Deep breath in. And then next one, let's expand even more. Deep breath in. And as we relax in this space now, let's invite in through all of our spiritual help to come in. We invite in through our guardian angels, the archangels, we invite in through our loved ones that have passed away that are close to our hearts. We invite in through the spirit doctors, the shamans, our animal guides, our spirit guides. We invite in through the great masters, especially those that are close to our hearts. And we invite in through all of our cosmic friends. Take a moment silently in your mind and invite in through all those from your spiritual crew that you feel closest to. And as you invite them in now, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. This is a beautiful prayer that you can say before you're sleeping at night. And it's especially powerful when you say it seven nights in a row. Dear Spirit, I send my strong masculine energy and my beautiful feminine energy out into the world calling to me all the help, all the love, all the resources, the friendships, the healing, and everything else that I need now. And as you do this prayer, invite for your masculine and feminine energy to shoot out into the world, touching all those that are ready to come into your space and your sphere. And after you have done this prayer, continue on with 
Dear Spirit, all those standing behind me, around me, within me, I ask that you send the banner of my heart energy out into the world, calling to me all those that I can best serve in the highest and best way. And as you say this prayer, allow for spirit to hold the flag of your heart energy and send it to all those that are in need of your light, ready to receive whatever services, whatever goodness that you have to offer them. And as we take a few moments in silence for this to happen, we are gonna take a few more deep breaths to expand and allow for this work to be done. Deep breath in. We send it all out and we call it all in. Deep breath in. Spirit, expand me so big so that all that are ready come. Deep breath in. I invite in all those that are ready. Deep breath in. And as you do this now, we're gonna make one request for spirit, one last request. Repeat after me. Dear spirit, as I sleep tonight, I ask that you continue on this work in my sleep state, sending out my masculine and feminine energy out into the world, calling to me all that I need, and sending the flag and banner from my heart, calling to me all those that I am ready to serve. I give you full permission, dear spirit, to continue this work in my sleep state. Amen. And now you can open your eyes. Den Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks podcast, and join us there.